Hi, this is Ben Zorns with Ellerslie Mission Society. This is part two of a two-part message given by Pastor Eric Ludy at the church at Ellerslie in lovely Windsor, Colorado. It is our hope and prayer that this message would convict, inspire, and invigorate your pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also want you to know that should you ever have any questions or comments regarding any of the ministries here at Ellerslie, we are always happy to provide answers and receive feedback. Simply contact us at info at ellerslie.com or give us a call at 970-686-9022. We really would love to hear from you. Enjoy the message and may your faith and love in Jesus grow larger as you listen. Now here's Pastor Eric Ludy. We finished the, uh, the last uh, section with just sort of some of the early history. I have quite a collection of stories that I've developed over the years of the intrepidity of the sufferers and the fearlessness and the patience of the early church that uh, would make this about a five-hour uh, thing to go through because I love to go into detail on the stories too. They're so intriguing to me. But the point I want to get across to you is not necessarily an individual story as much as the substance and the content of the church throughout history. That this has always been present and this isn't some bonus package to Christianity. This is how Christianity functions. When you live in America and you live around such a cowardly version of Christianity, it actually almost sounds too extreme to have boldness enter back into the body of Christ because it would be politically incorrect, socially incorrect. It would get us in big trouble because we've seen the abuse of what we would typically call boldness or frankness. And you know, whether it's the stabbing of the abortion doctor or you know, some pickets guy who's saying some horrible thing and they, you know, from some church. Uh, and it's like, that doesn't represent the nature of Christ, even what they're doing. And so we oftentimes look at those that speak forthrightly and strongly as being those that are rude and lacking the love of Christ, when in actuality, the opposite is true. Jesus was bold. And if you want to try and convince me that Jesus was not love, that's going to be a hard argument. Jesus was the essence of love, and he was bold. He was frank. What he said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees was so uncomfortably truthful that most of us have no idea what to do with it. So we make our pitch to say, no, Jesus is just kind and gentle. No, Jesus is truth. And so when Jesus speaks, he always speaks in love, and that love is going to always be in stride with what the Spirit of God is speaking. So he only spoke that which the Father was speaking. So if you want to look at it, that's what the Father was saying to the Pharisees. That's what God Almighty was articulating, was exactly that. Oh, you brood of vipers, you whitewashed tombs, you hypocrites. Ugh. Jesus, settle down, buddy. No, I think we need to rise up. We need to allow this tongue, this body, this life to be in concord and to be in agreement with what the Spirit of God is doing. Session two, the bold and the brave. So what I wanted to do, I'll see how well this works, but I wanted to go through a quick uh, peek into some of the heroes in the last 100, 150 years. Uh, some of them are still alive. There's actually, I know at least one of them is still alive. I'm trying to think through the list if there's more. No, at least two of them are still alive. Uh, and so it's a short list. Some of you are peeking. I can't believe you're doing that. Uh, and, but these are men and women. Now, there's a lot more, okay? There's a, there's a lot more illustrations of this, but these are just a quick look at a certain mentality that has greatly impacted me. In other words, you, you could say, what does the church need? And some of you could say theologians. And I would say, we need 
men and women like this. I would say for every, uh, you know, 10, 20 theologians that know their stuff and are accurate, I don't even know that they can measure up to one of these. These are the stuff that make Christianity function. That is not a diminishment of uh, good theology. It's just to say it's the livers of Christianity that change the world. When someone says there is a lion in the way, the real Christian promptly replies, that's hardly enough inducement for me. I want a bear or two besides to make it worth my while to go. C.T. Studd is the quintessential picture of boldness. The man, even with his name, I mean, C.T. Studd, he is the picture to me. When I think of what I desire to be in my Christian life, one of the clearest portrayals back to my soul is C.T. Studd. And so I'm not even going to, because I spend a lot of time in past messages talking about C.T. Studd, so I'm not even going to talk about C.T. Studd, I'm just going to quote him, and I'll move on. Mary Slessor, the, the picture's a bit grainy, that big, but uh, Mary Slessor, a uh, Scottish missionary to Nigeria, it wasn't called Nigeria back then, but uh, this lady, I'm going to give with each one of them, I'll, I'll, say, I'll call it their secret, and I'll call it their attitude, Okay. Now, their attitude is, could be a quote from their life, or it could just be a situation in their life. I'll, I'll sort of walk through that with you. But this lady had a secret, and it started when she was somewhere around 12 or 13. She was just a I mean, little petite thing, and you, know, you would say delicate and, uh, and totally unassuming, yet she had pluck. She was bold from a young age, and knowing Jesus Christ, she just lived it. And so the first thing she began to do uh, is start teaching little uh, classes on the Bible and the gospel. And she would have these gruff factory workers come in, and she's just this little thing, and she would preach the gospel. And one time, she was always told by the man who ran the little mission never to go to this part of town when uh, he wasn't with her, and because it's extremely dangerous, especially for a girl. And so she had forgotten it. She was really excited about something and ran ahead and went to the, the mission. And she was uh, trying to get inside, but she couldn't get the key to work. And she was surrounded by three uh, young boys. I shouldn't say young. They were probably middle uh, teenage boys. And uh, they thought that they would have a little fun with her uh, because she's a young girl and caught in the one spot. A young girl's not supposed to be caught in. And so they surrounded her and were bullying her around. And she just literally stared back at them like, uh, excuse me, but I need to go in there. If you guys want to come in with me, I'm gonna sh- I can share with you the gospel. And they didn't quite know what to do with it, so they kept pushing her. And the one boy had a piece of sharp metal, a heavy piece of metal. And I, I can't really envision what it looks like, but he had it on a string. And it was heavy weighted, and he, began to, he sw- swept it back and forth like this. So like a pendulum, it was swinging. And he kept moving it closer and closer to her face. And he was wanting to get her to wince. And she refused. She stared right back at him. And he says, this is going to hit you. This is going to hit you. And it's going to cut straight through you. And it was very, very sharp. She would not budge. And it literally at a point right before it struck her. In fact, I think it actually nipped her. She didn't move. And the boy stopped it and said, come on, guys. Uh, we don't need to mess with her. And he left. It struck terror in him. The boy comes back with the other three to the meeting, and becomes a Christian. This is how Mary Slessor's ministry is beginning. It began through intrepidity, is what we could call it, through boldness. She did not fear the enemy from the youngest ages. Now, most of us would say, how come she got that and I didn't? 
Well, the point is we can see something in her life that was a gift of grace to her from a young age, and let's witness it and go to God and say, God, I need what Mary Slessor had. So then when she's in Africa, interior, she goes interior to a place that no one had ever gone. It's a tribe that no one has ever dealt with. They are only known for their savagery, and she goes straight in. The stories are remarkable, but anyone who would side with her, the, the chief actually gives her this little hut because he's afraid of her, doesn't quite know what to do with her, so he gives her a hut. So she's in the midst of the village, but anyone that sides with her, anyone that is kind to her, they will pour hot oil on. And so one, one boy is actually maimed because he goes out of his way to befriend her, and he's just a young boy, and he's literally publicly shamed and maimed because he befriended her. And so in this one situation, she is standing up for righteousness. This one lady in the village uh, gives a piece of fruit to a man who is not her husband, which is forbidden. Uh, and so she is taken out publicly, and this big tribal warrior is dancing around uh, this lady with a pot of boiling oil. And they're going to pour the boiling oil on top of this woman who is stripped clean of any clothing. She has nothing, and she is fully ex- exposed and tied down. And uh, so the ceremony and the ritual is, is taking place, and Mary Slessor hears of it, hears the drumbeats, goes out there, sees what's taking place, runs straight into the midst of this ceremony, which she has no business being at. She shouldn't even be in the village. And she stands in front of this tribal warrior who has a hot pot of oil and says, stop, you will not touch her. Who in their right mind would ever do that? Mary Slessor. This tribal warrior mocks her and laughs, tries to shove her out of the way. She steps right back in front, basically saying, in her own language, whatever Scottish way she was communicating, back, do not touch her. You'll have to get through me first. She's this little thing. And the tribal warrior starts dancing around her the same way he was around the other lady, saying, I'm going to pour hot oil on you. And she just stared him in the face and would not wince. And finally, the first time in the history of this tribe, a male warrior was fearful. He shuddered, and he left. And everyone in the village suddenly realized this lady has a God, and they want to know him. And that was the beginning of revival in that village. came from her boldness to stand up to a warrior with hot oil in his hands. Her secret, never fearing the bravado, the bluff, the strong stance and noise of the enemy. Her attitude, do it! Pour it on me. I do not fear you or your threats. Is that our attitude? I don't know that it is. And yet, should it be? I want it. Harriet Tubman. This is going to be a very unique mix of characters because you're going to say, what do these have to do with each other? Well, they have one single thing in common. They all followed Jesus Christ. They loved Jesus Christ with their life. They trusted Jesus Christ with their life. And they were afraid of nothing. This lady is one of the most remarkable ladies you could ever read about in history. I don't even know how to explain her life. She has nothing, no education. She didn't even know how to read. And some of the things she did to literally change our country are remarkable. So we'll call her the conductor of the Underground Railroad. The Underground Railroad is the escape uh, passage uh, from southern slave uh, uh, masters. And so these, there was a whole system developed. It's an extraordinary thing to study, but it wasn't an actual railroad like choo-choo. It was taking a slave and hiding them in the night. And these, I mean, it was, it's an amazing stories that come out of it. But this lady, 19 missions, she had a value. What do you call it when something's 
put on a bounty on your head. She had a bounty on her head. This is the time before the Civil War where even a dollar is worth, what, a, you know, a thousand times uh, more uh, back then than it would be today. I mean, it was, even a dollar was valuable to them and could go a long way. She was worth $40,000 if someone could catch her. That would be enough for most people to, you know, that most people couldn't earn that in about 10 lifetimes. And if someone could find her and turn her in, $40,000 on her head. And she went back 19 times, each one risking her life for men and women she'd never met. And she would give up her life gladly. However, what's her secret? She considered herself untouchable while doing the good Lord's business. The good Lord, I'm doing the good Lord's business. They can't find me. I've never lost a life on my underground railroad. She never lost one person. That is amazing. It truly is, especially when you're the hunted. You know that she was the biggest pest to all the southern plantation owners, and they wanted her dead more than anything else because it emboldened all the other slaves. All the other slaves were hearing the stories, and they were hearing about, they called her Moses. I mean, the stories are just shocking. Her attitude, I will not die one day earlier than the good Lord intends. And so until that day, I'm going to live boldly. I want that. Brother Yoon, pastor in the Chinese house church, and he is a lot more because he's not in China now. He's alive. His secret, singing in the face of suffering. So many different times when he was in the darkest situations, what would he do? He would sing. Sing in the face of suffering. Cheer, laughter, buoyancy. Go upward. Rejoice. Don't allow despair. Rejoice. Why? Because God is in control of your life. And if you are in a prison cell, I will not be held in prison for one day longer than God wills. If I'm in prison, then this prison will be my mission field. If I'm here, then I'm going to preach Jesus here. So be it that they torture me. But I am here and I am in God's hands. Therefore, they can only touch me to the degree that they are allowed to. I am his missionary. Don Richardson, missionary to the cannibals of New Guinea, his secret, he was convinced that the gospel of Jesus Christ always prevails, no matter the obstacles, no matter the impossibilities. His attitude, if someone should be afraid, it should be the cannibals, for I am in the service of the Most High God. You see, you don't go into Irian Jaya or Netherlands, New Guinea uh, without fear. I mean, these guys will eat you. He went to one of the most dangerous tribes that anyone knew, and he went boldly in, and he basically had the attitude. He's like, hey, look, I serve God. I serve God. You serve satanic spirits. So who's more powerful? And he put it to the test, and guess who won? God. It reminds me a lot of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. When someone is willing to boldly stand up, one against, what was that, 450 Maybe it was even more if you take the prophets of the grove, like 850, 750, tons, one against all of them. And guess what? What did Israel say in the end? The Lord, he is the God. David Wilkerson. Oh, it's crossing the switchblade. What a book. If any of you haven't read that, a worthy read. Uh, by the way, Don Richardson, you can read his story in Peace Child. And also, uh, he's in the story of Lords of the Earth, which both great. David Wilkerson, missionary to the gangs of New York City. His secret, he knew that when he obeyed God, God himself would go before him. His attitude, 
Cut me into a thousand pieces and each one will cry out, I love you. He did not fear. And as a result, he won the gang members over. Gladys Aylward, missionary to China. Her secret, she knew that God surrounded her and that her enemies could not thwart God's purposes in her life. Uh, One of the famous stories of Gladys Aylward is on her way to China. She is in a hotel where she didn't really want to be, but she's like near Siberia. And there was the war, uh, uh, Japanese-Chinese war uh, going on. And as a result, it sort of stalled her ability to progress. And the, the, the railroad lines were shut down. And so she was in a hotel, and she was basically all alone with the master of the hotel. And the master of the hotel declared himself God. And he entered his room with the key that he had for it. And he said, I will do with you what I will because I am your God. And her response was quite shocking. She was not afraid. She just stared back and said, I belong to Jesus. Between you and me, he has placed a barrier. Take one more step and you will see. The man winced and left. You see, these men and women are of a different substance. And it's the substance that I want to see in my life and I want to see in our life as Christians. Richard Wormbrand, Romanian pastor, his secret, he considered it ridiculous to fear any situation which Christ was in control. Is Christ in control of this situation? Is Christ, has he left the throne? Is he no longer king? If he's no longer king, I have reason to fear, but if he's in control, why would I fear? It's under his feet. This situation is held in the hollow of his hand. I am his servant. I am his property. He will take care of me. His attitude When he was going to be tortured, the man declared all the terrible things he was going to do to him, and his response, feel my pulse. If you notice my heart rate increase, then you will know that there is no God. Don't you feel your heart rate immediately increase even hearing him say that? (laughs) Brother Andrew, Bible smuggler, his secret, he knew that God was greater than any obstacle he faced. This man took Bibles not just into closed countries, but into countries that, you know, in which he might be thrown into prison or kicked back out. He brought Bibles into countries in which they would torture him and kill him if they caught him. And he boldly kept on doing it. The only thing that began to slow him down is when all the notoriety began to spread around the world of what he was doing. And then everyone recognized his face. It made it sort of difficult to keep doing what he was doing. His attitude, I'm going and God will get me through. And how can you argue with him? Every time he went... He got through. Just like every time Harriet Tubman went, she got through. You see, most of us, we think, well, that worked for Harriet Tubman, that worked for Brother Andrew, but that won't work for me. And as a result, you'll never find out, will you? You see, the boldness is the willingness to allow the Spirit of God to move us forward to do that which seems, yes, insane, but it's actually obedience, and it's the clearest, sharpest form of wisdom available to us on earth is to heed what God is doing. C.T. Studd, in the book, The Chocolate Soldier, every true Christian is a soldier of Christ, a hero par excellence, braver than the bravest, scorning the soft seductions of peace and her oft-repeated warnings against hardship, disease, danger, and death, whom he counts among his bosom friends. The Christian considers hardship, disease, danger, and death his bosom friends. Oh, I love those guys. You see, but there's the soft seductions of peace that are constantly whispering to those of us, but the true Christian scorns those things. He will not listen to that, but that could bring hardship, that could bring disease, that could bring danger, that could bring death. 
The chocolate soldier melts in a time of trial. The true Christian stands firm. Fire only makes him pure and of a stronger value. The otherwise Christian is a chocolate Christian, dissolving in water and melting at the smell of fire. Sweeties they are, bonbons, lollipops, living their lives in a glass dish or in a cardboard box, each clad in his soft clothing, a little frilled white paper to preserve his dear little delicate constitution. (laughs) C.T. Studd, I love him. He just spoke it straight, so uncomfortably bold was C.T. Studd. He came to the church of his day and called them chocolate soldiers. He says, you guys melt in a time of trial, in a time of adversity. You are built. You, if you are Christians, you thrive in adversity. You look forward to it because it makes you better. Gold does not fear fire. Why? Because gold is purified in fire. It gains more value. It is of a richer substance when it faces the fire. Bring on the fire. Where is boldness found? Now, let's just, some of you maybe have peaked already and found out the answer to that. It's not found in your pockets. That's how we started. It is not something that you possess or that you can derive from your own discipline. Boldness in the, of the human variety can be gained that way. So I do not want to diminish that. You can derive boldness from the human psychology and then training to face a roller coaster and a thrill ride. Yes. However, the spiritual form of boldness can only be gained through spiritual means. It is imparted It is not imitated. You cannot just imitate Jesus on the cross. You must receive the life of Christ. So where is boldness found? It is found in a specific location. We're going to call that in God. Paul says in Christ. It is in the life of Jesus that you actually find it. So you need to imagine it's almost like a building. Jesus is a building. He's the door and it's unlocked. The shed blood of Jesus has made access available to us to enter into what's called grace. And so when you enter into Christ, you are clothed in his shed blood. And that is the vehicle that actually carries us into the throne of grace. And so when you turn into Christ, you actually enter into him. And it's called the clothing of Christ or being in Christ. So here's the answer. Where is boldness found? It's found in the God of all boldness. Now think about this. The other, a few weeks back, we went through the idea of God being humble. You see, we try and whip up humility, but you can't whip up humility. You need to have a humility imparted to you from the God of all humility. God is humble. It's a strange thought. Most of us don't ponder that, but God is humble. He proves, he's proven it a thousand times over. He came to earth and was born as a baby. I mean, think about that. He died as a common criminal on a cross naked. This God of ours is humble, but he's also bold. You know that God is not reticent to speak exactly what needs to be spoken? He is not cowardly when he is called to do a hard thing. He boldly enters into his job description. And guess what you have access to? The boldness of God. The straightforwardness of God. God will speak to you exactly what you need spoken to you. And guess what he's expecting us to do? To speak as he would speak. To live as he would live. To go where he would go. So it's not found in your own pockets. You can't dig for this kind of boldness. The God boldness. Look what it says in Scripture. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, this is Paul talking, as you know, we were bold. Where were we bold? In our God, to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. So Paul says he was bold in God. That's where he found his boldness. He was bold in the midst of trials. 
it says in whom, and it's speaking of Christ here in this context in Ephesians, in Christ we have boldness. This is Paul talking again, and have access with confidence through faith in him. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing, and listen to what else they gain. And great boldness, where is it found? In the faith which is in Christ Jesus. And so again, it's a position. When you are in Christ, you have great boldness. You have access to it. Don't look in your own pockets. Access and acquire that which you have in Christ. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting. Paul, in this context, is talking about what he could do when speaking uh, in this situation, in this letter. However, he's saying, I'm choosing a different method. However, I have boldness in Christ to give it. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. So how do you have boldness to enter? By the blood of Jesus, which is your clothing. So in Christ, in the blood of Jesus, you have boldness. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence, and that was the same word, parousia, for boldness, and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So when you abide in him, you have boldness. So it's in him that you have boldness. Now, this is the confidence, or boldness, that word confidence is parousia. Now, this is the boldness that we have. Where do we have it? In him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So in Christ, we are. In Christ, we have access to boldness. If you are struggling with cowardice, I want to exhort you and encourage you to go to the singular location in all the heavenlies in which it is made available. It is made available in Christ. And you can access it by faith, by turning unto Jesus Christ. You have an unlocked door to enter in, to partake of parousia, to partake of a spiritual boldness, to allow this body to be in full harmony and full agreement with that which the Spirit of God is wanting to do. Do not think through the dangers, the what-ifs. That is a plague that God wants to eradicate and cut off from your life. If you have been set free from a slave master, don't go back to your slave master and ask his opinion. You do not come back to cowardice and consult. You leave it behind so when that voice whispers and tells you of the dangers of the hardships and of the diseases, you choose not to heed it. It is a false worldly wisdom and it is not from above. It is counseling you to cowardice. It is counseling you to justify weakness. No longer accept it, but rise up in the power and the authority and the boldness of Jesus Christ and start heeding his word and his spirit. And what they command of you, what they commission you towards, you say, yes, Lord. In Christ we are bold to speak, to say that which is unpopular and to hold the minority position. Whew, this is not easy. You can't do it in your own strength, but I'm telling you, you have what it takes to do it in Christ. You are bold to testify, to declare that we are with him. I am with him. My sister's great story to me that I have never forgotten is, she says, Eric, picture yourself at Calvary, and all the crowds around are mocking Jesus as he hangs there silent as a lamb. Are you willing to walk up to the base of that cross and turn around and face the mocking crowds and stick your finger up in the air, even if it trembles, and say, I am with him? Because that's what Christianity is. Christianity, and it takes something that you don't have in order to do that. All of us just need to readily acknowledge that. I can't do that. Yeah, you can't. He can in you. So allow the Spirit of God that filled Peter 
to lead him to die an upside-down death on a cross. That same spirit that, that charged all the apostles into the most harrowing situations, that same spirit to charge you, to enable you to do what otherwise you couldn't do. In Christ, we are bold to live, to live holy, pure, unstained by this world, and happy in Jesus. Bold to protect, to stand with the unlovely, the orphan, the outcast, the persecuted, the minority, and the unborn. You know that there are those that if you stand with them, you receive uh, the distaste or the glare or the mockery of the world around you. In the South, when you stood up for a slave, when you stood up for a black man or a woman, I tell you what, you were an outcast and they actually had penalties for it. They had different laws that if anyone ever cited and helped a slave in a time of need, you could be penalized because all you're doing is actually giving them a sense of value. And if you actually start to proclaim value to that slave, they'll no longer be a good slave. They need to know their position. God put them in that slave position and they need to submit into it. The entire church was behind the idea back then. And they were propagating. If you stood against slavery, you're standing against the church in the South. Pastors. Leaders, ministers proclaimed it from the pulpits about the virtues of slavery and the importance for slaves to submit to their masters. This was commonplace. Do you have the guts to stand up? You know, one of my favorite groups of people, you read Harriet Tubman, you'd love the Quakers. Because most of you are like, Quakers. <laughs> Study the Quakers in the Civil War, before the Civil War. They were the ones that built the Underground Railroad. And I tell you what, these guys, though they spoke funny, they always spoke the in every, every sentence they spoke. The uh, thee are important to God, and thee, and I will help thee. You know, they were, and it was always using it in a way that I wouldn't use thee. And yet, they might have spoke funny, they might have dressed funny, but guess what? I want to be like one of them. If I could give a message just on the Quakers and their fearlessness, it's extraordinary how many of them lost their careers and their jobs, their livelihood, because they stood up for slaves and helped them get out of their oppression. Bold to go, to really journey where God leads, to leave comforts, to let go of ease. To the Yali, to the Sawi in New Guinea. To North Korea. I think I told you guys that Kipling wants to go to North Korea. And it's just like, well, buddy, there's a few things that daddy wants to instruct you about that before you just sort of get on a plane and try and get in there. And even if you do get in, the moment they find you, which is going to be pretty easy because you don't look Korean, you're a dead guy. You don't mess with North Korea, says human wisdom. But there are a lot of dying people in that country. What would Brother Andrew do? What would Harriet Tubman do? What would Mary Slusser do? What would C.T. Studd do? Some of us just don't want to ask that question. Bold to stay. See, it said bold to go. How about this? Bold to stay. And that's a little different than what you're thinking. You're, you think, oh, bold to stay in Windsor. That's not what I mean by that, even though, yes, you have to be bold to stay in Windsor, too. If you're called here, stay here. However, listen, bold to stay. If you're in a difficult situation, many of us want to flee. I tell you what, I've had so many moments where I want to leave. I want to get out from the difficulties and the, the words being spoken against me. I just want to hide in a hole. Bold to stay, to endure, to stand up amidst the difficulty, to not retreat, to persevere in the place you are. When the warrior is dancing around you with the hot oil, to stand there unbudged, unmoved, unfazed. I'm not the one that's going to leave. You can leave. I'm staying. Bold to go, bold to stay. So we may boldly say, this is an incredible scripture. Just listen to it closely as we finish. 
so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. So if the Lord is your helper, what is true? I will not fear. What can man do to me? This is the motto of the gospel of the fearless. This is what it leads to. This is the conclusion. So we may boldly, all of us, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. You're thrown into prison alongside of Richard Wormbrandt. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And what could be whispered back? He can torture you and cut you into little pieces. He can't actually touch me. That's just my body. I am held in the hollow of God's hands. What about the pain, Eric? Do you think you can endure under it? I have God's grace. There's nothing that I can be tested in that I will not be also supplied the grace with which to resist, to stand firm. I have everything I need, so there is actually nothing to fear. When you are a Christian founded, grounded firmly on the promises of God, you are untouchable, unstoppable, immovable. You are bold to declare the gospel in this hour, in this generation. Thank you so much for listening to part two of this two-part message by Pastor Eric Ludi, pastor at the church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. Please feel free to make copies of this message, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without express written permission. If you have any questions, comments, or just need more information about Ellerslie, please visit our website at www.ellerslie.com. Again, that website is www.ellerslie.com. For Ellerslie Mission Society, this is Ben Zorns cheering you on as Christ cultivates his set-apart life within you.